2: Welcome back one and all to another edition of Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com. So for all of you to go and join us. A uh, quick mention to all of you, we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks about another wonderful event going on from uh, our wonderful sponsors, the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. We're going to be hosting a virtual conference, which was already in the works back October, November of last year to coincide with our normal events we would have uh, in August and in October uh, throughout the country. So USCC Borderless is going to be an event we're having June 29th and June 30th. And, of course, you can find all the information you need to know at usccexpo.com. We will make announcements very soon in terms of speakers and education. And, of course, if you want to go and exhibit, at this point right now, post-pandemic, we know that we, some of us are still dealing with the reeling effects of the pandemic. For those that are kind of working yourselves out, the economy is starting to reopen The opportunities to go and go to conferences, some of them obviously are not going to be opening right back up, and some of the ones that would normally be scheduled are not going to be happening yet. So at this point, the advantage of doing things virtually is still in light, and that's why we're going to have this opportunity, which just happened to land on our lap, to have Everybody to have a chance to get together. If there are certain shows you had scheduled to go do, you can't do those now, but you still want to get your voice heard. You want to get your product, your brand out there, the message out to those people that are going to be interested. Our virtual conference is coming up. Again, USCC Borderless, June 29th and June 30th. You can register now at usccexpo.com. Again, usccexpo.com. My next guest oversees a premium hashish brand which uses unique, gentle, solventless water extraction processes to respect the integrity of the original cannabinoid profile to create the highest quality hash products for medicinal and adult use. My guest is the CEO of Calahash, C-A-L-I hash, Michael Domek. How are you, Michael? Thanks for joining us.
3: Very well, thank you for having me. Excited Uh, to be here.
2: My pleasure. So, a lot of different background to get into when it comes to hash. First of all, we want to go and let our listeners really have an understanding of what hash is because you've heard it. Maybe you've heard the word bubble hash. You've heard hashish back in, you know, and even back to ancient times. So Leafly pointed it as this. It's, quote, the original concentrate from ancient times. At its simplest, hash is made from rubbing cannabis flowers in your hands until all the luscious resins or trichomes form a layer thick enough to scrape off, roll into a ball, and either smoke or add into food. This hand-rolled method is so old it predates with written text, though it's speculated early hashish was popularized around 900 CE across the Indian subcontinent, modern-day Middle East, and later North Africa. The title of the article, by the way, is Is Hash Passe? Which is a very interesting uh, clickbait article. Leafly, I'm going to give him credit for that. Now, Michael, question to you: You would recommend a better understanding of the medicinal and recreational benefits of hash. As opposed to marijuana. Fill on me on, on why.
3: So my advocacy for hash um in, in contrast to flowers um, pretty much centers around the idea of taking out elements of the plant that aren't active ingredients. So essentially when you're concentrating any form of cannabis, any flower product into a concentrated version of itself, You're essentially taking out the chlorophyll, the plant fiber, a lot of the things that don't have a direct effect on the consumption of said product. So essentially, you're taking out the middleman to get to the end result quicker.
2: Interesting. Now, growing up in Spain, you have a strong tie and passion for hash, and it's eager—you're eager to share and passion with uh, cannabis lovers alike. Now, I want to take something from this uh, same article from Leafly, talking about the other side of people that really do support and really appreciate hash. So, there's a Reddit user out there called at TryMeBITCJ, lives in Cadiz, Spain, an uh, ancient port city with the in the province of Andalucia. I even saw the Castilian accent. How about that? Huh? Uh, my parents, uh, parents are Spanish or my family's Spanish and ancestry. So I, I do understand that part. Now, it's uh, directly across from the sea from major hash production in Morocco. So this Reddit user says, quote, my town is a very important strategic point for smuggling. We talk about tons and tons of hash avoiding the local street hash, which he says is both illegal and sometimes of questionable purity. He belongs to a legal association of cannabis consumers, which gives him access to top quality Moroccan products. He said, quote, last month we had 11 different types of hash. And he says, it's just incredible. Those guys in the mountains really know how to do hash. So talk to me about what you're doing in California, obviously being Cali hash, what you're looking to bring more users that might have the same positive sentiments than that Reddit user proclaimed.
3: Absolutely, and let me step, set the stage a little bit for this, because you, re- you mentioned a few things I'd like to touch on. Sure. Um, my personal background, my family, is actually from Andalusia. We come from a town called Jerez, which is just near Um yeah. And not only is it one of the major ports of entry for the majority of, of, of cannabis and hash that enter the European markets, but it also happens to be an incredibly beautiful and culturally relevant place in Spain. So, um Speaking on that Reddit users comments a little bit, um, the you know definitely first and foremost, if you are visiting Spain as a consumer, buying and purchasing these products on the street is still illegal. Be very careful, and absolutely you will probably get sub uh, you know inferior products. In fact, uh, High Times did a test a few a few years ago where they lab tested uh, you know a large amount of. Uh, hash that they purchased on the streets of Spain and I think upwards of 80% had actual feces in the in the product so you're talking about the smuggling method of getting it into the country so when it's illegal a lot of times they're forced to use their bodies and body cavities to smuggle these products in and you get residual substances in the product get contamination and so essentially yeah you're absolutely correct that that user is correct you You know, if you're not buying from the legal sources or the regulated sources, you're probably going to be smoking things you don't want to be or consuming things you don't want to be consuming. Um, Now, speaking a little bit about traditional versus non-traditional extraction methods, and we could speak at length about these things, and I don't want to go too much into detail to to bore people. I'll just touch upon it quickly. Um, Traditional hash, like you mentioned, was extracted using your hands, Essentially, rubbing plant material uh, against each other and extracting the oil content that way. Primarily, that is the extraction method in Afghanistan and the mountains of, of that region. The Moroccans actually do it slightly differently. They use what uh, a screen system, a SID system. I and mean, they essentially, I mean, you can you can Google these videos and you'll see these guys taking stalks of marijuana and beating these SIDs. You know, they look like almost like drums, but they're just screens, and they're beating the screens. And essentially separating the smaller particulates, which is the trichome heads, hopefully, and, and leaving the plant material, the fiber, the chlorophyll behind. Um, and then they collect all that resin, apply a little bit of heat and pressure, and there you go. And that's your end product. The biggest difference between those products and what Hash does is that we use water and ice in our extraction process, mm. something that... In, you know, up to 60 years ago, no one had access to, except the incredibly wealthy that could afford to pay exuberant amounts of money for a block of ice that melted on its way to your house. So until, until refrigeration was really um, revolutionized and we have the freezers we have today in every house and ice machines that are relatively cheap, none of this was a possible uh, extraction method for the traditional hash markets. Having said all that, um, Again, the product is different. It looks very similar, but um, by by whereas when you're extracting with simply the force of the, the atmospheric pressure, and you're not using water or an ice, and you're essentially just dry sift extracting, which is what that's referred to, you're never going to get the higher level of cannabinoid um, ratios in your profile essentially something that we as a company are always striving for we would like to get a product that's mainly cannabinoids with very few um, plant residual materials um, so essentially we've done extensive testing in this regard and generally your dry stiff is anywhere between 30 and 50 or 60 percent if you're getting really high-end material whereas um, your cold water extracted or ice water extracted hash is going to be anywhere between 40 and 80%. So it's essentially orders of magnitude, higher extraction rates on the profile. I get where you're coming from, uh, Michael. I just think that there
2: is a thing where, you know, I just, when I was researching just on hash alone, I know I've heard about hashish and I heard about hash and just the processes behind it. But again, I think it's just there, there is a thought process where the effort, the amount of work that needs to be done to go ahead and take the plant there and build a good process just to get that highest quality hash that's out there you know it's it's really interesting where i haven't seen a whole lot of the industry embrace it as much as you would think because of different products will be out there and there's a couple of things i think we should talk about why that should be after the break i want to go talk to you about how the hash supply chain is being used for other options right now as we are getting ourselves out of this pandemic and also asking about the beneficial qualities of hash as opposed to the very ever popular cbd line of products we're going to talk about that coming up after a short break i'm here with michael domek the ceo of cali hash here on blunt business back with more in just a moment rolling into some sponsors but we'll be right back with more blunt business
0: elevate your every day with that suggy's feeling with the sweet taste of suggy's Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Sugis in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat.
1: Trends in technology, processes and products, we cover these areas and more on The Cutting Edge of Cannabis. Be informed from the latest initiators of new innovation, learn about the latest breakthroughs and best practices in the cannabis and hemp industries, better products, better infrastructure and better sustainability. The Cutting Edge of Cannabis, consulted by the American Cannabis Company.
2: centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com.
1: I hope you didn't forget about us cuz we're back
2: with blunt business on cannabisradio.com. Welcome back to the Blund Business. Thank you all for joining us back. Leafly, I, and please don't get me onto me because I'm, I'm quoting from Leafly right now, but it's just that when I did research for hash for this interview, Michael, Leafly just happened to write a lot of stuff about it. And for whatever reason, <laughs> I'm just, just pointing it out there because usually I don't get a lot of stories from them that I point out, but this just happened to be, they like talking about it. What can I say? Well, I guess they want to have some more. Who knows? Probably send them some, send, send them their some, uh, products your way, their way, I guess. Uh, now they reported this quote: "In today's war on COVID nineteen, the ten plus billion dollar sector of the cannabis industry is redeploying assets to fight coronavirus, SARS CoV two, with the goal of saving as many lives as possible." Legal cannabis makers have begun repurposing hash supply chains for hand sanitizer. Cultivators are donating pest control gowns to desperate hospitals. Once derided pot shops are running food drives to keep most uh, America's most vulnerable fed. So talk to me, Michael, about what you're learning about how the California market itself is operating now, given the whole situation. Because I've heard a lot where we've talked to a number of companies from California that really, you know, the the demand has been high. Supply chains have been a little bit tough to come by because there's been changes in terms of trying to keep the product on the shelves. Uh, Talk to me about how you see companies are working to keep production going and how companies are helping out instead.
3: Absolutely. Um, I'll I'll speak from my own personal experience over the last two months. Um, So we have a a laboratory that operates out of Reseda in in Los Angeles County. Um, Most of our um, our biomass purchasing, so our raw material, is coming from the L.A. area. It does not have to travel very far. So in terms of our supply lines, not severely disrupted. Where we have seen disruptions is on our packaging. So we're having already issues getting packaging from china we had pre-ordered x, x amount of things for other brands not getting those in a timely manner that has definitely been an issue not for me alone but across the board um and then most importantly we've implemented extreme measures in the manufacturing facility so you you know we always had uh, uh an, an eye towards cleanliness these are lab facilities they, they're highly regulated in fact you know, we have visits from the government, you know, quite frequently, and they have to be to an exacting standard. We've even increased those standards. So now, now, here's a question. Only...
2: Do you feel like there's going to be new standards that are going to be implemented? You know, say the CB, the Bureau of Cannabis Control comes in now, says, as a matter of fact, all, this, all the uh, cultivators and all the uh, processes are coming in, there will be new rules that will be implemented. Has there been any discussion like that at all at this point?
3: there has been I mean there's definitely there's changes already being made on the retail side without a doubt I mean we as as a manufacturer I heavily rely on my ability to go to a retail location and essentially affect what we call a a demo which is where you set up in a retail location and you get some you know four hours of exposure to every client that comes through and most importantly you get time with the bud tenders who are essentially the gatekeepers to the industry Um, and those are completely um they're not allowed right now, and they're not encouraged i wouldn't I would never subjugate any of my uh, my employees to go to a to a demo right now, so we immediately canceled all demos two months ago um so 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 already we see changes in our relationship with our retailers um not only that but our supplier our distributor uh, a company called pacific wholesale network um they've essentially they've again redirected some of their supply chain towards what you just referred to and I, I was just there the other day and, and half of their facility was filling up um, was filling up uh, bottles of disinfectants and now their you know half of their business is getting disinfectants to all the retailers
2: Yeah, it's been funny where I've seen certain people that uh, we were talking just not too long ago about how there was hand sanitizer also not just being done just for hand sanitizers, but also having them injected with CBC and CBN infused into it as well, which is very interesting. But here's another question I want to ask. When it comes down the line, after this is all said and done, obviously, everyone's going to have this cognizance of, well we want to be much safer. No sharing of the blunts anymore. No, no sharing of product anymore. In some cases, uh, do you feel like the way that people might consume hash, the way the devices that are being used will pre rolls be more often. I, I can't say I know everything about this. So what do you see on this side when you you speak with retailers, how you might need to go and provide products and what they're going to be looking to, how they're going to be able to display them and how they're going to be able to sell it.
3: Absolutely. Um, So, you know, we've already, we are already in the process of developing a line of pre rolls. We currently have a pre roll line that is one gram net weight per pre roll. We're developing a line right now that's going to be a third gram net weight per pre roll, essentially a sharing pack. And this is in direct response to the last two months and the COVID 19 effect. Um, And I'm not the only one. I know amongst my peers, everybody has changed their pipelines and geared them towards. developing products that that essentially um, that address these issues and, and 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 provide some sort of safety and um, and some sort of peace of mind for the end user
2: now when people now, are smoking has hash or, or... flour when I ask you this if, if people yeah. are looking to smoke hash or flour here's the most important question to me does glass start getting eliminated altogether do people feel like listen I don't want to have this and something and have to continue to have to clean this down because it's maybe not so safe, maybe I'm gonna go with something more disposable
3: well, well, absolutely I mean, I think it goes without saying people are not sharing pipes. um right. I know for a fact, I you know anybody I socialize with, they're not sharing anything whereas you know traditionally we were a very, very sharing culture. I mean, the marijuana right. culture was all about passing the joints you know, puff puff passes a lot right you, know, you get you get kicked out of the group if you didn't obey. so you know uh, <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely, we see drastic changes already. I mean, if I go to a meeting now, everybody is, you know, in their corner, you know, with their with their personal joint. So, yeah. You know, it's uh, it is definitely changing things as we speak.
2: Now, I want to talk about the medicinal qualities because uh, here's one thing that Leaf Desk wrote about. No leafly Leaf Desk can go to a different Leaf website. So, <laughs> let me go and bring this up. I thought this was a very interesting point that was being made by this article. Quote, as CBD concentrates are more potent than edibles or capsules, the user only needs to ingest a very small amount to achieve the required dosage, as well as to notice a much faster onset of pain relief than other commonly used methods due to the concentrates sending cannabinoids straight into the bloodstream. Now, while concentrates are similarly more potent than traditional blood, and if used incorrectly can result in inex- experiencing uncomfortable effects such as feeling anxious or dizzy, high THC concentrates are not a new phenomenon as the commonly known hash is also a concentrated resin derived from cannabis. Now, originally, hashish contained high levels of CBD due to it being grown in Lebanon and Morocco, but the Western consumer's desire for THC-rich hash has seen a shift in the market towards higher THC content. So, Michael, talk to me what can drive more interest into hash as opposed to CBD products, because we're seeing such a saturation of the market in CBD. But then if people are looking to only have THC
3: concentrate and well, go ahead. Well, I think you brought up a great point. And I love speaking about this because there is so much um, enthusiasm surrounding the CBD market in particular right now. And, um, and I think everybody needs to take a step back. Um, and, and, and I think you really, uh, you, you hit the points on their head perfectly. Primarily, marijuana plants have very low levels of CBD. I test every product that we process. So we have a wealth of information of very, very uh, accurate testing done in a third party lab on exactly what we're putting into our machine process. Now. Before we go, I was very surprised over the last three years because I've been processing for a lot. But, but in the traditional marketplace, we didn't test. We didn't take these things to a to third-party testing facility and know exactly what, what, what ratios and what, what profile was present. So what we've learned by doing all this testing has been, first of all, CBD levels are extremely low in most marijuana plants. I mean, when we're talking low, let's be very clear. We're talking 3%, 7%, you know, on a good day. So, um, and and then, and then more importantly, THC levels are, yes, very high. So, you know, what we're starting to understand, and there still needs to be a lot of studying, and that is the most important point of this conversation, is that we just don't have clear studies on these things. So we don't know yet. But what we do know is that there's a lot of evidence that these things are very efficient and what, what we think they're doing, but what we don't know yet is, exactly what they're doing and the reason is because the prohibition now we right now i'm actively fighting this and i have a brand that's being launched the next few months that is focused just on the holistic and therapeutic aspects of this plant and it's just focused on teaming up with um, cancer uh, patients and rs patients and multiple sclerosis patients and people who are suffering but use this product on a daily basis because it really really need to show there needs to be some leadership in that in the next 10, 15 years, to really pin down what these 100 plus unique cannabinoids are doing. And that is the point. There's CBD, yes, there's THC, yes, but there's another 90 or 100 plus that we don't really, we, that we haven't properly understood. So, you know, I always go back to this point this plant is a pharmacy, it is a living, breathing pharmacy. And for political reasons, economic reasons, For the longest time, we've been prohibited from
2: studying this trend. Well, there's many more barriers that have to be broken, that's for sure. So one thing I also want to ask, when it comes to the supply and demand, when you're getting your product line ready, now in California, which I'm pretty sure I guess that's the main market that you're servicing, when you look at the amount of delivery that's being done right now, the, um, the, um, the traction that's being done by the delivery companies, which are quite a few, we've talked to them here on the program, and... The increase in deliveries, and I think in general, people are going to have more of a habit of getting things delivered to them, at least for the foreseeable future. I don't think people are going to necessarily want to go too many times. Uh, they might opt to not take the trip to the dispensary as opposed to just getting it delivered from home. I think that's just going to become much more common. Uh, do you I couldn't see yourself agree more having
0: with
3: the, that? Is, that assessment, yes. Say again. I'm sorry. I couldn't agree more with that assessment. The trends in the market as brands become more, um, as they gain dominance in the market and as become, they become more recognized by the average consumer and the average consumer's knowledge and education about these products is elevated, then the experience of going to the store is, becomes less relevant, It becomes less important. But now right the question is, why are,
2: does the, method- the methodology that you're so going to put into will. putting your product line, do you change the way your product line is going to get pushed out?
3: Um, at, at the moment we're literally dealing with these questions and, um, we are changing a little bit. We're reversing from the demo mode to a less, uh, to a more <laughs> leaving promo pack mode, you know? So it's right. slight alterations as it were, but you know, major shifts haven't been, haven't happened yet on the distribution side of my industry. It's probably one of the least developed sectors so far. Um, it's really a mess and, um, that's probably a whole nother podcast. But, um, you know, and that's part of it. Distribution is not only the fulfillment of accounts, but it's the management of said accounts. So, you know, until we really get a cohesive strategy in place, and the demos weren't perfect either. I mean, sitting there for four hours with a little table, I mean, no one does that. No one does that in the liquor industry. No one does the tobacco industry. And the reason they don't do that is because they have extremely efficient methods of distribution, extremely effective and 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 set in stone distribution companies that are there and they, they control the, the gates, if you will. Um, we're, We don't have any of that yet. So marijuana is still, you know, step-by-step, sector-by-sector, we're, 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 we're figuring it out as we go. Well, you um, know,
2: it yeah. also leads me to another question because I'm, I'm, it's not something I'm expecting to answer, but one of the questions I would also pander from a business aspect is for those dispensaries out there to try to keep people engaged and wanting to come in, are we going to get to a point where I think there's going to be a need to be a change, where the medicinal outlets, which are much more you know behind glass and they're not necessarily in a display like an Apple store or I or mean like or a MedMen store or you know what have you, that those kind of stores, those kind of displays might become passive themselves because people might not want to just be able to go onto the countertops they would rather have it be behind a door and then it just dropped in almost like a bank teller you're like that style that's what that becomes how you go ahead and reach your product
3: yeah i mean absolutely and in fact as a consumer i wish i had that access right now you know so I, I I would imagine we're going that direction. Absolutely.
2: I think in general, in the mainstream sense, I think what does happen is we kind of go back to a previous time where you know maybe you've like you, you some maybe you know some gas stations that overnight you're not able to go inside. They're able to just like pick the products for you, and then you just go through a little basket. They pull it back out, and that's how transactions are done when it comes to the product and the the money to pay for the product. That might be a thing that comes up. And the, eventually, so anything like an old-fashioned bank teller transaction, I think that becomes much more prominent. I think that's what people start going to more commonly than anything else. And it's, I mean, that, that, that personal interaction, I also wonder how the bundtenders will also be affected into the same space. But then again, it's not just for, I mean, not just for, for hedge
3: funds. And I love where you're going with this. And I think conceptually, it's a beautiful place to go in terms of ease of purchase, in terms of you know, just making the process simpler. The only negative I feel from all this is the lack of education. So, you know, and and this this speaks to the core of a lot of issues we face as a company, CaliHash, in the American market. Um, There's so much misinformation. There's a lot of lack of information. Your average consumer does not have – a high level of understanding of the myriad of different concentrates that exist, the myriad of different strains that exist, the myriad of different cannabinoids. And this is where you brought up
2: earlier about your own product line, samples and promo products are going to have to be the new, the new norm.
3: Yes. Yes. And, and, and really, and then, and then there's the challenge here as well on how do you reach those bud tenders in an effective manner and not only reach them, but educate them because I'm amazed. I go out into the field and you know, some of these new bartenders don't even know what traditional hash is. And I'll say ice water hash and they'll look at me like I have two heads. You know, and and, and, and it's true, you know, there's so but there's so many. I mean, you know, concentrate, solventless, non solvent. Um, you know, CO2, butane, hexane, propane, water,
2: ice. Hold on uh, to that excellent. right there, Michael. That's where we're going to next. We're going to talk about okay. the extraction method. The question of questions: solvent or solventless? We're going to talk about that after the break. Stay with us. Excellent.
1: Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more blunt business. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living.
3: Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth
1: Only on CannabisRadio.com. Your business in cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc is even hot proofed by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and
2: I and iOS today.
1: Marijuana llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know? Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Candid,
3: captivating, compelling. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential with
0: Dr. Dina.
3: Welcome Start to again. Cannabis
0: Conf oh, you got me again.
3: All right. I got you, again.
0: you got me again. Welcome to Cannabis okay. Confidential. Ah,
1: <laughs> hey,
3: we did it.
0: We did it. Hey, Welcome. I have the coolest guest today. You guys already know. The one and only Tommy Chong. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Cannabis Confidential.
1: I hope you didn't forget about us because we're
2: back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Back with final questions with the CEO of Cali Hash, C A L I Hash, Michael Domek here on Blunt Business. Cannabis Industry Journal, which, uh, what can I say? I go to these guys quite a bit for a lot of good, comprehensive articles. They did another one here. Cannabis extracts for the informed consumer, solvent or solvent less? I'm going to take a passage from here and ask you about them, Michael. As catalyst markets continue to gain traction, inconsistent and largely unpredictable markets have left recreational consumers in an informational fog. Expecting high demand for solventless concentrates, the demand for solvent-based counterparts came as a surprise. Over the past year, several companies have joined the solventless side of history, but consumer understanding remains largely stagnant. For those immediately overwhelmed by technology, cannabis extracts, concentration, or hash Mm -hmm. are all interchangeable terms describing concentrated cannabis. Under these umbrella terms, two distinct categories emerge depending on whether chemical solvents were used or not used to extract the hash. If I'm correct, I believe that's either burnt hash oil or distillers. So hence, solvent or solventless? I want to ask you to unpack that argument for us and give us your take on which. Obviously, solventless is what you do, but tell me why.
3: Absolutely. And I'm incredibly passionate about this question. Um, So early on in the industry, um, plus, you know, eight plus years ago when I arrived in California, um, there was two basic extraction methods. You could use butane or you could use water. Um, It was a clear choice then for me. Um, and it, became, it rooted itself in a personal choice. Uh, the BHO products, your butane extracted products, the flavor profile is extremely different. And then let me speak to that a little bit. And where it really honed in for me was little less than a year and a half ago when I started launching CaliHash out of a lab in California City. This lab was a distillate lab. 90% of the facility was was geared towards CO2 extraction with high-end distillate uh, alcohol second-stage extraction or purification called what you will, distillation rather. So essentially, it was, a, it was a lab producing large amounts of distillate, CO2 extracted distillates. Um, and what that gave me an opportunity to do, because it was a very, very uh, well outfitted facility, when we had a microscope and we had uh, a bunch of equipment there, I was able to take each of these extracts and put it under the microscope. And I did it for my own personal curiosity. And what I saw only reinforced my beliefs. And what I did see was essentially, when you take the CO2 extract and you look under under the microscope, you see something that is so different than what you see when you look at the trichome on the plant and i'm sure everybody's familiar with that image it's a very common image now the image of a trichome very healthy very happy very erect with its little head you know that is a beautiful image and that's in my opinion that's what a concentrate should look like it should look like like the natural trichome you know taken off the plant and concentrated in form Whereas when you look at the CO2 extract under microscope, you're looking at something completely different. The cell walls have all been obliterated. It is a completely different product. Um, the molecule has actually changed. Um, I'm not a chemist. I can't speak to any technical chemical changes, but what I can speak to is when you smoke and consume the product, even when you taste it on your tongue, your CO2 extracts taste terrible. They have a different profile. Um, they smoke differently. They burn differently. The molecule has essentially been changed, and that's the point I'm trying to drive home. Whereas when you're using a salt and rift-based uh, process, when you're using a water-based process, a dry sift-based process, or even now people are using sound waves, believe it or not, and some of your premier extraction labs are currently pioneering this, and they're using sound waves to extract. So and, and in all of these, methods, you're essentially respecting that profile. You're respecting that original tricle and you're not changing it with either extremely high pressure or some type of solvent. And, and that's what you're getting in these, in these solvent-based processes is you're essentially changing that molecule. You're changing the shape of it. You're changing the style of it. You're changing the structure of it. And that affects the end product always. Very interesting. That's so, really it for me. It, it really comes down to that. I'm a purist when it comes to this, and I really want to remain a purist. So all of my companies, whether it's Hash or the new brand Hash Lab, they're all based on these same principles. Fantastic. All right. Uh, thank you for pointing that
2: out. So – before we wrap things up, obviously you were mentioning that there's a new product line that CaliHash is working on. And if you want to go ahead and take a look, everybody, I want to point you out to CaliHash.com, C-A-L-I-H-A-S-H.com. Uh, real quickly, uh, tell us about the new product line that you're actually working on. And obviously I see you're available through delivery options. So if people want to go ahead and look for it, there's pressed hashish concentrates and other things. Tell me all
3: about it. So, right now in Hash we have two product lines. We have our basic hash, which includes a pressed line and a raw line. Now, the difference between the pressed line and the raw line is the following. Your pressed hashes have been curated by a Hashashin and pressed into a ball form or a brick form, depending on our process, and your raw line is taken directly from a freeze dryer and putting it directly into into the jar for the end user. Um, the differences on those two, I won't go too far into, but essentially you change the profile by pressing, by adding, any oxid- by adding any heat and pressure to cannabinoids, you change their profile. You take the acid and you change it and you decarb it essentially. And um, so yeah, I said I wasn't going to go into too much detail, but I did. Sorry. Um, okay. <laughs> and then um, taking a step back. Then we, we do, we offer also under the Cali hash banner, we all also offer a pre-roll line, which is a net weight one gram pre-roll with 0.8 grams of flour and 0.2 grams of, of our hash. And essentially what's that is that's just allowing people to, you know, ha- to purchase a product without having to do any working sales because convenience is everybody's um, Prerogative uh, in life, of course. So, um, and those are the only two Kalihash products we currently handle have under offer. Now, I'm very excited to announce that we're launching a new brand called the Hash Lab. And the biggest difference between Kalihash and the Hash Lab is that whereas CaliHash will deal with um, products that you can combust that you can smoke, the Hash Lab will not. And 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 the biggest the reason for this disparity and this difference and this distinction is is because you can't rightly give a cancer patient a joint and say this is going to cure your cancer. It's not. This is going to give you carcinogens in your lungs and maybe even give you cancer. So, you know, so all of a sudden, you, you know, you're really one is a, very much a lifestyle brand and the other is is really going to focus on the medicinal qualities of this plant, the therapeutic benefits, and really go after that. Um, so, yeah, but but what combines them all is the salt this aspect. So
2: in terms of the products, what are the ones you're, you're going to specifically be looking for that people can, and where can they find it? How, they can, how can they learn more?
3: We're currently in roughly 40 to 50 locations in the L.A. and greater L.A. area, a few in San Diego as well. So primarily Southern California um, and the product lines you can find right now at offer are the pre-rolls and the basic hash product. Um, we're launching the new hash lab products in the coming three or four weeks. All right, sounds great.
2: So we'll keep people to go and keep tuned in to CaliHash.com. Michael Demek, CEO, uh, thanks so much for being with us on the program. I really do appreciate you making time and uh, best of luck to yours. Thanks again for making the, the time to go and join us.
3: Truly a pleasure. Thank you so
2: much. Hey, my pleasure. So again, uh, Michael Demek with CaliHash, and that's C A L I H A S H dot com. Once again, a quick reminder that we are having our borderless USCC Expo coming up event. And June 29th and June 30th, and you don't have to go anywhere. Just go to your computer, and log in right now, register, and learn more at usccexpo.com. Usccexpo.com. That's all I got to say about that. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Blunt Business. You can find past episodes just go to cannabisradio.com. That's where our show is hosted each and every week. And of course, all major podcast platforms. Just go ahead and make sure to subscribe. Go to Apple Podcasts, make sure to rate and review us there. Give us a big five stars, if you will, if you love the show. And until next time, thanks for listening. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.
1: This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding